Welcome to Wednesdays Together. I pray that this is an oasis for your spirit in the middle of your week. So this morning, I was on my back deck. I saw something that was pretty interesting to me. This squirrel had jumped from a branch at the very top of a very tall tree. and He jumped onto the very top of our neighbor's high-pitched roof. He's probably at least 30 feet up in the air. I don't know, maybe maybe higher. And, and he looks scared, really scared. Um, I should probably stop right here and just confess to you that I have this thing where I create scenarios in my head a lot. Like I see something and I just kind of have this whole narrative of what it's probably all about. And so, I, I mean, I can't be sure of what that little squirrel was feeling in that moment, but it seemed to me that he was scared or at least he should have been scared. So the rest of this story is all based on this narrative that I developed in my head this morning. Back to the story. At first, he quickly spun his head around when he got up there as if he were surveying his situation and trying to find a way out. Then almost with a panic resignation, he just sat there, he just froze. And for like the next 10 minutes, he wasn't moving at all, just stoic. And I, so, so you know, I'm, I'm with the story, right? I was already formulating a rescue mission in my mind, like, do I call animal control? Do I call the fire department? Like, who's going to be the best solution for Mr. Squirrel's problems this morning? And, oh, oh by the way, <laughs> this all took place during my prayer time. Um, so, if you have a prayer need that I was supposed to be praying for today, please just know that your allotted prayer time was probably spent praying for the squirrel. And I'll catch up on your prayer needs tomorrow, I, I promise. But anyway, here I am sitting here debating whether to call 911. And all of a sudden, a miracle happens. This squirrel just decides to look in the other direction. And when he looked the other way, he sees where the roof <laughs> slopes down. And it just had to be as if he could feel my prayers from below. He immediately hopped up and he began to scale down that side of the roof to the safety and security of another treetop. And I can only imagine that in that moment, he was feeling the peace of God's protection over his little body. Now, now you've already indulged me uh, for, for a good little while with this silly squirrel story. Can, can you give me just another minute or two so that I can tell you how on earth this relates to Wednesdays Together? You see, when that squirrel was frozen on top of the house, I was thinking that he had to be wondering, how did I get to this point? How in the world did my morning escalate to being stuck on top of a very high roof with no apparent way out? And it made me think about where we are as a society. How on earth did we get to this point? How did we get to the place where everyone's mad and mean and scared and stubborn, where people are outraged and offended by everything, where Christians are known more for what they are against than what they are for, 
where we have lost the ability to see the humanity in others, to see that every human has value and worth in God's eyes. I guess that made me wonder, how did we arrive at this age of outrage? And it also gave me hope that just the same way that squirrel saw a better way, he saw a way of escape, that we can do the same thing. Amen? <laughs> I am so grateful that you've been part of this series for the past couple of months. And throughout this series, Christians in the Age of Outrage, Christians at our best, our goal has been to help us all think critically about the way we interact with other people, to be intentional about being the best representation of Jesus we can be. So we will truly be Christians at our best while we're here in this age of outrage. And tonight, I wanna just take a little bit of time to tie everything together as best I can that we've discussed throughout this series and challenge us to be committed to bringing glory to God in all areas of our lives. I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 9 verses 13 through 15. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. And so tonight's message title is Love Leads the Way. You will never ever look more like Jesus than when you are serving others. And when Christians lay down their rights for the glory of God, it really is a beautiful picture of the gospel. It just represents what that is to all of us. But we simply cannot bring glory to God if we are acting like the world, period. End of story. At the beginning of the series, I told you about the Starbucks story. Uh, remember the misinformed outrage over Starbucks removing Christmas from their cups, but there was a minor problem with this story. Starbucks never had Christmas on their cups in the first place, and they were boycotted by thousands of people based on misinformation. I also shared another boycott controversy with you, a story about Costco accidentally placing Bibles in the fiction section, and a huge brouhaha ensuing from that as well, even after their Catholic CEO sincerely apologized for the innocent mistake. I hope you can see the problem with both of these stories. Christians making a mountain out of misunderstandings. And then when confronted with the truth, how they were really manipulated for a new story, digging their heels in and not relenting Christians chose to embrace controversy that in no way advanced the gospel and instead made all of us look really foolish. Now, before you ask me, why are you singling out the shenanigans of Christians? And you're not even talking about all the ways that Christians are being mistreated by the media or online or, or all these other things. 
Well, it's because we're all Christians <laughs> and we already understand all that that's going on. This is just the world that we live in these days. This world is not our homes and it's becoming increasingly hostile to believers. We know that just like we heard on Sunday, this is just another sign of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem that this series is addressing because we as Christians have been mistreated and marginalized at times. We're tempted to fight fire with fire, right? We're tempted when um, to, to fight back in ways that aren't godly. You know, when somebody is backed into a corner, they may wanna come out swinging, right? But our King, our King Jesus, he has called us to fight differently, to do battle in the spirit and to show love to our enemies. And the focus of this series uh, we know has been on how Christians should think, how they should act, how we should engage others, how we should post. Uh, because the target audience of this series has been Christians. You know, if you're here watching this on a Wednesday night, there's a good chance that you're probably a Christian or that you really want to be a Christian. Um, so our goal has been to help us as Christians be mindful of whose we are and who we represent. You know, an unbeliever can be ugly, mean, unkind, uncaring, whatever. It, it doesn't really matter because that person can still simply be regarded as representing themselves, right? I mean, that, that's really kind of how that goes. But if a Christian is any of these things, those actions always reflect poorly on Jesus. And so that's why we need to pray to be better digital disciples, uh, disciple makers. We need to pray about the way that we engage people online, in person, of course, as well, but we need God's wisdom and we need God's discernment to cultivate online habits and attitudes that reflect, that reflect Jesus Christ in our life and testify to the glory of God's kingdom to everybody around us. You see, scripture calls us to be intentional in all of our actions, our thoughts, our behaviors, understanding how all these things, they either advance or defame the gospel. They either spread the gospel or they cause somebody to turn and look the other way because of our bad witness. So the question that we've been asking throughout this series is, are we joining in with the world? Are we being faithful to godly principles? That's really the crux of the matter. That's really kind of where we are with all this. Do we need to reformulate any habits so that we can bring glory to God rather than add fuel to the fire of the world's outrage. So I guess the question that I would have for us is, what does that mean for us? Uh, said another way is, how then should we live? Uh, one of my uh, favorite professors in seminary, we, we would have discussions and he would say, so how then should we live? How then should we apply this? Well, I believe that as Christians, we must live in such a way that loves and respects others, all others, as being created in the image of God. You know, our world craves love. 
We are wired for it from God. And this should be encouraging to you and to me as Christians because we know that only the gospel can satisfy this desire of our hearts for love. This means we show love even when someone may not deserve it. Let me say that actually a different way. We show love especially when someone wasn't doesn't deserve it. Why? Because that's what God has done for us. And that's what he calls us to do as well. Love is just like a magnet. Love draws people closer to you. And when you have the real, genuine love of Christ, people absolutely are drawn to that. You know, even when our love isn't perfect, because it won't ever be on this side of heaven, even if the sin and brokenness of this world distorts the love of Jesus that we share, people are drawn to love and love tears down walls. That doesn't mean that in the moment that you demonstrate love, that everybody's gonna form a circle, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Unfortunately, that is not how it often happens. No, we know that sometimes that love is pushed away simply because the gospel is offensive to many. Because it is offensive to a world that is fractured and ruled by sin. You know, Christianity Christianity in a broken and rebellious world is going to offend some people, right? We know that, but we aren't supposed to be offensive. We aren't supposed to push them away from the cross. Some people who long for love more than anything else will tragically reject the one love that could bring them everything they desire and more. But that doesn't mean we stop loving. That doesn't mean we stop caring. That doesn't mean that we stop going the higher way, the way of our Savior. Maybe you've heard of William Booth and his incredible ministry. He preached these famous passion words that just, uh, they resonate in my spirit and they compel me to be a better believer. He said, while there is one drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl on the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. You know, we've got to do battle in the spirit for the souls that God has brought into our lives. I said that, I, I think last week I said that if someone is, if there's someone, maybe you're having conflict with someone, you probably need to stop back and say, God, but I know you brought this person into my life. So it's probably meaning that you brought them here so that I could show them your love, even if it's stretching me, even if it's growing me. You see, we must become missionaries of grace. And that means we must lay down our rights and our privileges to reach others with the gospel. We must seek to serve others, especially those who look and act differently from us especially those who cannot repay us. We must refuse to draw our tents in so tightly that we don't make room for other people. Even those who will vote differently from you. <laughs> there is room in the, in the body of Christ. There is room in the house of God and there better be room at your table for people who are different from you and of different opinions than you. We must refuse to allow artificial lines of political parties or leaders 
who are trying to divide us, we must refuse to allow that to tell us what we can and cannot be for. You know, the, the beauty of all of this, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always the optimist. I'm always looking, okay, things might be bad. This may be terrible. This may be horrible, but there's got to be some good to find. And I do believe if you keep looking, you're going to find the good. And so the beauty of this nastiness <laughs> um, that, that we are in, and 2020 has only exacerbated all of that, is the fact that it's really helped me to step back and see that because I'm a Christian, I don't have to be embroiled in this nasty culture war. I can rise above all of the hatred and the vitriol with the love of Jesus Christ because my principles and my values come from his word and his word alone. You know, I for those reasons, I... I can feel confident that I can follow godly principles in this world and I can do it in a way that is loving and that is caring and that builds bridges. I can say from the depths of my spirit to, to black people that your peace and your safety and your dreams and your lives are important to me and I can stand alongside you and listen and learn about the pain you are feeling right now in this moment. To people of color, you are created in God's image. I can support you in your struggles. And at the same time, I can still be pro-police, but I can be against police brutality. I can be pro-life for all lives, from the womb all the way to the tomb. But just because I'm pro-life, it doesn't mean that I don't want to help children after they're born. If I only care about children when they're in the womb, I'm missing, I'm missing what pro-life is about. I need to help children when they're here and they're in poverty and they are in need right here in our nation or abroad beyond the borders of our nation all around the globe. I can care about lives at all ages. I can be against human trafficking and child exploitation and against children suffering I, all of these things, and I can be against the filth of Hollywood. I can be against all of these. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I can champion each of these causes because they aren't mutually exclusive. I can do something about them. I can speak up for them. I'll tell you this. I've already said this. My tweets and my posts probably aren't going to change anyone's mind. But I can find other ways to benefit these very worthy very important, critical causes that grieve the heart of God. Because one day I will have to give an account to God for how I championed the things that are important to him. You know, quite frankly, I'm just sick and tired of people telling me that if I support this issue, I can't support that issue. That's a lie from the devil. That is to divide us and to separate us. I am a Christian. I am for God's kingdom, not man's. I am for God's issues. God's issues are human issues. I love people. I love God's people. I believe that we're all God's people, and I am for issues that protect people, especially the most vulnerable, especially those who don't have a voice, especially the ones who don't have a seat at the table. I'll tell you this, if you are for God, if you're going to be for what God is for, what the Bible is for, you're going to have to widen your tent. 
You won't feel at home in this world and you probably shouldn't feel at home with either of the political parties that we have um, at our choosing right now. You probably won't feel that completely. Why? Because they're based on a worldly philosophy. They're not based on a heavenly kingdom. And that, my friends, had better be where our allegiance is. You see, when we truly love like Jesus loves, our greatest allegiance will be to his kingdom. His love will compel us to walk in the fruits of the Spirit, not the impulsivity of our flesh. And I promise you, the stakes are so very high for this in this moment. You might ask why? Because the way we interact with others will dramatically affect whether this world is drawn to Jesus or it's repelled from the message of Jesus. For Christians to be at our best, we must understand that our love will be tested every single day. Our self-control will be tested every single day. There will be more and more and more wickedness. And I'm telling you, I'll just confess to you, it is such a challenge for me in my flesh to... <laughs> feel like uh, to feel like the response should be against the person but I know it's not our, our enemies are not people our enemy is is Satan our enemy is the prince and power of this air that is trying to destroy us and so we do battle in prayer we do battle on our knees we do battle spiritually and then we contribute to causes that are important to us and and we volunteer at places that we think it will make a difference. Of course we do all that and we vote according to the word of God and according to our consciences. We do all of that, but make no mistake, you're not winning a battle at the ballot box. You're winning a battle on your knees. And that is what God has called us to. Your self-control, your love, your patience is going to be tested and we won't always be perfect, but we must strive for a genuine, sincere love that draws people in rather than pushes them away from God. You see, Jesus, we know, is the only source for peace and fulfillment, but his kingdom is so very different from anything else we could pursue here on earth. The kingdom of God, it has power over every situation. It gives life for death. It gives liberation for the addicted, for those who are imprisoned. It gives reconciliation for the most dysfunctional relationships. And I'm sure there are plenty of you who are watching right now who can say, amen, that was me. All of those things you just described. I, I know that, I've experienced that. The kingdom of God brings elevation to the humble. It's the promise of the kingdom that we will one day live free from prejudice, free from fear, free from sin, free from suffering, free from sorrow. It brings community as one body while we are here on earth. Is somebody grateful for that today? Is anybody grateful for the power and the benefits of the kingdom of God? But let me tell you this, let me tell you this. It starts with a basin and a towel. The kingdom of God, it starts with serving. It starts with a heart of love and heart of compassion. It starts in the context of community, right here in the church. We talked last week about how important the local church is. God moves through the local church and the kingdom of God 
is here, right here, right now. That's how we live it out. Walking in unity with our brothers and sisters to fulfill God's vision. You see, the crossover comes the barriers of death, of sin, of division, of strife. The crossover comes barriers of separation, of fear, of purposelessness. We must recapture the power of the cross and the beauty of the gospel and make that our chief mission in life. So as we wrap up this series, my prayer is that we will commit to live this day by day, moment by moment, that we will stop. We will be intentional. We will think about when I do this, when I say this, when I think this, when I dwell on this, when I continue to consume media that is negative, that is harming my spirit, that is riling me up, that is stirring up my flesh rather than feeding my soul. I pray that we will stop and we will think about these words, that our greatest calling on earth is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And even if you don't think that's your greatest calling on earth, that's how you are viewed by the world. That's how I am viewed by the world as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So my prayer is God help us live up to that responsibility. Help us to walk in those ways you've shown us. As a watchman on the wall, we have tried throughout this series to sound the alarm, to warn the flock, to warn the sanctuary church from following all the other sheep that have gone astray, to stand guard against Satan's devices, to alert us to that, especially in this current season. We have sought to speak the truth in love, warning us against behaving like the world. And so we must guard our hearts. We must guard our homes. We must guard our families from the spirit of division. We must fight every influence of sin that seeks to infiltrate our lives. We must live out the truth and the love of God's word. And above all else, like William Booth said, we must fight and fight and keep fighting for the souls of men and women. As long as there's one human being here on earth who does not know Jesus Christ. You know, it, you, you may feel like you're that squirrel on top of the roof. And they get, I'm already here. I'm already all into all this. And this is, I hear what you're saying, but that's not very practical. You know what? Just take a moment. Just take a moment. And I promise you, just look the other way. Just look to the way of scripture. Look to the way of Jesus Christ. And you can find a safe exit ramp. You can find a way out of this mess that we are in. And you can truly live in a way that honors God. We must make sure that nothing we do creates a stumbling block for someone on their way to the cross. Let's pray. Lord, this series has challenged us and it is still challenging us to pursue more of you and less of me. We have heard this series each week, God, but we still struggle with living it out. Why? Because we will always struggle with our flesh. We will always struggle with a me first mentality. We will always struggle to walk in an others first mentality. God, help us live that way. Humble us. Help us to put other people above our own rights, privileges, thoughts, 
Lord, help us to put others first. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice, God, help them find ways to bring people to you. We're not winning people to ourselves. We're winning people to you, to your principles, to focus on the gospel, not on earthly divisions, and to live in a way that will bring you glory and bless your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. The church said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. This Sunday, we are launching a new sermon series that you don't want to miss. It's entitled Rebuild. I know you're going to be blessed by that. And so I encourage you to invite your friends and family to join us. You can join us, of course, online here, but you can also join us in person. And we'd love to see you. We're doing everything we can to make it a safe opportunity for you. So come on out if you feel it's safe for you to come. I pray you have a wonderful rest of your week. We love you. God bless you.